I only know one way. That's the Padre way. I'm proud as heck to be a San Diego Padre. I played for one team. I played in one town. Smith is ready. Win waiting to pitch. There's a drive. Right center field. Base hit. And there it is. Ho-ho. Doctor. You can hang a star on that, baby. A star for the ages for Tony Gwynn. Number 3,000. Hey, Blake, would you go on a 5.5 podcast when you get to San Diego? I don't know, man. That's a lot. I don't even know what that is. And welcome back, everybody, to the first regular season edition of the 5.5 podcast. I am your host, Danny Ortiz, alive and well after my first vaccine shot, (laughs) alongside Eric Labou. How's it going, Eric? I am uh, alive and well as well. Yes, you were at uh, opening day. Yeah, I was going to say, we should probably start this off. Our last podcast, we had mentioned, uh, hey, we're going to record after opening day. Well, not quite. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we're not lying. It is after opening day. Right. So it turns out uh, I was offered free tickets by uh, my wife's boss, who, just a phenomenal boss, great guy, Todd, shout out. Uh, got us some free tickets to opening day. Hope he hears day, us, bro. Which is, uh, he listens. He, oh, does he? He listens to the podcast. Well, hey, Todd. Or at least that's what he said. At least that's what he said. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so we got free tickets to the game, which is, um, hold on, I'm going to turn off this fucking TV, because I know gonna you're going to get distracted. Yes. Yeah, you had an energy drink, which is probably the last thing you should ever be drinking before we record, <laughs> you particularly. Uh, yeah, so we got tickets uh, to the game. His seats are normally in Premier Club, and there's been a lot of chatter on Padres, tw- on Padres Twitter. If you're on there, then you've heard people bitching and complaining about where their seats are. His seats are in Premier Club. Awesome seats. Just awesome. But our tickets for opening day were in three... Shit, was it 321? I think you were sitting in the Goodyear blimp. We were in... <laughs> It, we were in the last row of the top tank. Those were my 2000, uh, 2006 playoff ticket seats. Which, in theory, <laughs> sounds awful. Yeah. But as we were going further and further up the steps, first of all, I was tired of shit. It showed how out of shape I was. But second of all, I'm like, oh, crap, we're right under the overhang. Yeah. We were not, like, the sun didn't get us at all. There's a breeze. I got chilly for a little bit. I'm like, damn, it's a little bit cold. So it was great. I thought we were going to be scorched by the sun, but no, we were in the shade. There's no one around you at all. Yeah. That's kind of like people were talking about what what's it going to be like and what's it like at the games. And, you know, for people who have gone already, you know, like it's, dude, it's it's a very weird atmosphere. I love having people not near me at all just because I'm a big dude and I like to spread out. Uh, so that part was really cool, but the the energy, and maybe again, it's because I was in the last row of the top tank, um, I couldn't really feel the energy like I had expected to. It was a lot different than previous opening days, but I mean, anytime you can go to the ballpark, I'm not complaining yeah. at all. It was still a great time. We regularly sit up there when we usually make like a buddy trip out there. I prefer Anyways, it. Yeah. yeah. I like to sit in the top tank uh, above home plate, basically like above the broadcast booth, because that's the, to me... If you can sit, I've sat behind, not behind home plate, but the section above um, or behind it. I've sat there plenty of times where we usually sit for the on-deck games. Mm -hmm. But if I can't sit there, I love to sit like in the top tank above home plate because you can see everything. Like Number one, there's not really a bad seat in the house. For me, it goes, well, I've never had the luxury of sitting in the Lexus uh, seats down the Lexus Club. My name is not Patrick Daly. I do not have (laughs) my own 
parking spot yeah. in the Lexus you're, Club lot. You're, uh, Unfortunately. Your name's not embroidered onto the uh, onto the chair? <laughs> Unfortunately the not. Padded seat. I have not had that pleasure yet. I hope to one day, but I've never sat in those seats. So right now I'd say I'd go probably Premier Club and then Toyota Terrace. Yes, Toyota and, Terrace is great. And the running theme there is those seats are padded and they're wider yes. for my fat ass. So I could fit in there better. So yeah, either those two or I just like to buy a ticket and just cruise around. Yeah. Like, there's not, they don't want you standing around and watching the game you know at uh, different places well, but not now yeah but not now but normally i like to stand around you know behind home plate and just drink beer and watch the games i think last year opening day or not last year excuse me 2019 opening day we sat or we stood around uh oh yeah in the standing area behind home plate and yeah. then uh opening night which was beer fest night mm-hmm. tatis almost homered that night yeah uh we were uh behind uh the third baseline in the standing area over there by the uh, Lucha's Taco, Lucha yeah. Taco Shop. So, yeah, there's like I said, there's not really, there's not a bad seat in the house. Like I said, I've sat in the Goodyear blimp seats for the playoff <laughs> game. Um, we have sat in the top tank uh, in left field. Uh, we have sat in uh, park in the park and the on the uh, the fun the sun deck I think they call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we pretty much sat in virtually every section. The moral uh, of the story is there's no bad seat no, in the house at really all, not. and especially right now if you can go and there's no yeah. one around you, it's it's. It awesome. sounds amazing. Yeah. It sounds like uh, like uh, mid to late 2010s Padre teams yeah. and in uh, stadium. Uh, Attendance, but like the team's actually good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun to watch the game. Like, yeah. I can't lie. Like, getting free tickets and having the product on the field be great. Uh, it was fantastic. Did the giveaway hat fit you? No. <laughs> oh, no. Come on. No way. I still took it, though. Oh, well, yeah, I saw it, it over there on the, um, the shelf there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so, look at that. Yeah, nice quality hats. You know, we don't have to make as many. You can kind of up the quality because yeah. there's lower attendance. Yeah, so. they look good. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was fun. Dude, the game, of course, like, you look at it and it's kind of underwhelming start from you, Darvish. I don't know yeah. if jitters are going on or what the hell it's is going on. It's kind of all over the place. Uh, a few guys, like, so Darvish had the jitters, uh, I'm assuming. You look at Tatis, he's off to a rough start. Yes. Kicking everything in sight. Good thing we have Abrams. That's why you don't move Abrams off a shortstop there. <laughs> That's exactly why. Um, yeah, so it, it's just seeing everything. Like, my mind always goes towards, okay, what was fucked up? In these first couple of games, and Tatis, you look at him; he was he's been a mess. Dude, he's throwing the ball all over the place. It looks uh, like me on the mound. Defensively, he has been a mess, dude. So it's just like that part kind of sucked a lot. And then the starting effort from Darvish and Snell not being able to get through get uh, through the fifth inning uh, was kind of rough. But then you look at all that, and like going into Saturday's game, we had Musgrove on the mound. I'm like, hey, these first two games kind of sucked. And we're two and, and we're two and zero. We're two and zero. So it just shows you. It just shows you how good this team is. Manny and Tatis didn't do jack squat. Well, Tatis didn't really hit. I think he got to hit the first game and he didn't do anything uh, Friday or Saturday. And then uh, Sunday, uh, he hit that ball that hasn't landed yet. Yeah. Um, and then Manny, all his hits came in Saturday's game. Um, and yet we were 3-0 and going into yesterday's game. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just hit into bad luck yesterday. And I don't even think Tatis is struggling. I mean, he struck out looking, but I, I expect him to punch out. That's always been a thing with him. Yeah. Um, but I feel like he's just hitting the ball hard. He's just hit it at some people. Defensively, though. Oh, he's been all over the place. Yeah. yeah. He's and, shaky as hell right now. I don't know what the hell's going on. I think he's booted a couple, but I feel like it's back to the issue where he's just throwing the ball away. Like, he's trying to force throws. He made one real bad throw to Hosmer. Um and we're not uh, Hosmer defensive stands here. I mean, <laughs> no. we uh, will be the first to criticize Hosmer's defense at first base and his footwork. But this one, I mean, completely pulled him off the bag up the line. 
Uh, he threw one in the dirt. Uh, he forced a play on a double play with Paddock that he didn't need to throw. You know, so I, I feel like these are fixable mistakes uh, where he just needs to not try to force a throw and be just because he has the arm. Yeah, we know he has the arm, and that seemed to be the issue his rookie year. He's trying to make play. He's making plays because he's getting to balls that you know the average shortstop's not going to get to because we know he has ridiculous range and athleticism. But then the other, the flip side of that is because he can get there and because he knows he can make the play, he's trying to force the play as opposed to just eating it, um, which I think he'll be fine. Just go back to what you did last year. Yeah, I, th- I Jesus. think I think he'll be fine. Dude, I has, think- dude has more errors than hits right now. Yes, yes, that's a story of my life. If we would have just listened to Padres Farm, <laughs> he would be out in center field. <laughs> he so that's be. why you guys love shitting on Padres Farm. But you know what? Farm was right. Yeah. No, I'm not gonna go that far. Yeah. I'm not gonna go that far. Tell me, tell me if you got the same feeling. Uh, maybe it was just me being at the game because I don't know if you guys know already. But I went to the game opening day. <laughs> tell me if you get the same feeling watching the team. I kind of feel like last year dragged over to this year in the sense of when I'm watching these games, there's like an intensity, dude. Like I know this year there's 162, so kind of the thought is, well, hey, maybe they don't all matter, but like. I'm watching these games with an intensity. Like, later in the games, if it's close, I'm like, let's fucking go. Like, like for me, it still feels like we are in that Cardinal series. Every game is just, like, so much drama for me personally. And I'm, like, on edge watching these dudes. And we've watched four of 162. <laughs> and, dude, I am living and dying on every single pitch. No, 100%. Uh, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I think we're just more invested because we know that this team... We felt in 2019 that the team was never out of it, right? And think up until like the All Star break, and then they kind of felt well, they were falling apart going into the All Star break, and then they petered out. Um, but I, I'm right there with you. Like I'm, I'm, I'm hanging on every pitch, thinking like, you know, we're still like yesterday, two, three years ago. You know, Cronenworth up there to end the game. I would have checked out. I'm like, yeah, no. I'll just have it on background. I'm gonna go watch dishes or something. Like I was glued to the TV. I'm like, I am not fucking moving. Yeah, I'm not moving. Yep. You know, this team still got a shot. So. I think it's just because they're good. Like it's it's just I think that's what happens when you're a good team. Also, I've noticed uh, there's been a lot more like uh, on on Twitter on fly balls that look like they got barreled up. A lot more Dodger fan moments, dude. Where they're like, where people kind of they kind of bite on the uh, on the fly ball thing and like, oh, he got it. Like, uh, I, and I think that's not a. That happened to me on Tommy Fam twice on opening day. Twice, yeah, same thing. Same thing. He <laughs> I was like, "Oh shit!" And yeah. I'm like, "Oh, oh." He did get marine layered uh, on opening night. I think um, a couple of guys got marine layered, but I think uh, as opposed to Dodger fans thinking everything goes out, I think that we're so used to the ball just getting out because you know they hit a ton of home runs as a team. That's how they score. <laughs> that we're just like, "Oh, oh, we're expecting it now." Yeah, which is different. We didn't usually expect home runs. Now it's like. Oh, like they legitimately can can hit. Yeah, you know, like Hosmer when he hit that first uh, home run off Bumgarner, like I knew I was like that ball's gone. Yeah, get get out. And then obviously the second one he hit was like, I mean that was a no doubter. Yeah, you know. So I think there's just a different expectation in general with with watching the games that not only do we expect to do well, anything they barrel up, we're expecting like these are actually legitimately good hitters. If they barrel up, the ball's gonna go. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's. Uh, 
it's definitely a, a, a nice change of pace to be invested for all nine innings as opposed to, well, I'm just going to watch a couple of players and, you know, then I'm going to check out. Yeah, you kind of do the math and like, yeah. okay, well, they're going to go one, two, three next inning and probably the next, so will Machado get another at-bat? Yeah, it's like it's like you're watching it. the game like it's spring training except it's like game 85 of the season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you mentioned Hosmer, and I think one of my favorite things about this opening weekend, the first uh, four games that we've watched, is... Um, we talk about Machado and we talk about um, Fernando Tatis in the first two games, more you know, yeah, more specifically. Uh, those games, those two guys did jack shit basically. And who was it that came through for us when we needed them? It was Hosmer, it was Myers, it was Cronenworth. Like you look at Fan those was getting on base as well, right? He was, yeah. but those two in particular, Hosmer and Myers. Who did we say? We need these motherfuckers. If we're going to keep up what we did last year, we need these guys. And to have them come out of the gate hot, oh, dude, it was such a welcome sight for me, especially Will Myers. Dude. Yes. Will, Will. First and foremost, let me just say, Will Myers, you son of a bitch. <laughs> My damn snail DH gate jersey is on its way from China. I don't know where it's in, stuck in customs. And, of course, before it gets here and I can even wear it once, he switches numbers, you son of a bitch. But I don't man, think, do I love you. I don't think there's a single person that cares about your DH gate jersey. No, <laughs> there are people you. who care, but they bought a Blake Snell jersey and it got switched at the last minute. Will Myers, it's it's like every day he becomes more beloved by the fan base, they, particularly he, on Twitter. Be. Because Will Myers, tweeting Will Myers is my favorite Will Myers. I loved his... Uh, getting his, Chick-fil-A every single day. Like, Will-fil-A. literally every single day, yeah. getting uh, Chick-fil-A. That's my favorite version of Will Myers. Yes. And and seeing him come through, seeing him, dude, like, he'll take the extra base. He's sitting there. Uh, there was the fly ball uh, into uh, foul territory. Well, right on the line yeah. there. And you see him run. He catches it, spins around, and fires it in. I'm like, sneaky good arm. he's on a mission, dude. Yeah. Like, this guy's on a mission. And it feels like he's constantly, constantly trying to prove himself still. He picked up right where he left off from last year. I think, like, I think he's proving himself, but I feel like he's playing really loose. Yeah, you know, he's just like uh, you know. My high school coach used to say this thing where you would play with a tight sphincter. You know, you're constantly pressing. You could say tight butthole. Uh, well, he's, he would say, say specifically sphincter. Oh, but okay. you're basically clenching your ass cheeks every time you do something. You know, you're just afraid to make a mistake, or you're constantly trying to you know press the issue. Yeah. He doesn't seem like that. You know, he he's always had good at bats. Like he's never been a he doesn't draw a ton of walks, but he's never been a guy to go up there and just flail at everything. Yeah. Um, and now I, feel, just, I feel like he's susceptible to chasing the outer, yeah. low and away slider. He would chase the shit out of that, but he yeah. doesn't do that as no. much. And, and I feel like it's because he'll spit on those a lot. Yeah, he does. He he has like he has, has some ice cold takes, and yeah. I feel like part of that as is whatever we've seen the Padres go up there and you know they basically have a pitching machine and they're just up there tracking pitches. Yeah, I think it's part of it is that. I also think it's just him playing loose, just. Free and easy. He doesn't have to be the guy anymore. He's not batting. He might bat third or fourth there and there. But it's like, hey, man, just go out there and play your game. Um, and he just kind of gets to be himself, which is great. I loved his his self-photoshop of his jersey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great, dude. I love. I just love that he's just being He's just being good old white queso. Yeah, yeah. He's just, he just seems like he's playing free and easy. And you're right. He's picked up right where he's left off, um, as is Hosmer. And I would be happy to eat crow. On Hosmer. I want to eat Crow on Hosmer. Did you line up to the left to suck Men's Reyes balls? No. I did <laughs> no not. Day. I did not line up because I have said it. I've said it since we signed him. If he hits the ball in the air, he doesn't need to do it all the time, right? He doesn't need to be like extreme Ryan Chimp. He hits the shit out of the ball. It's well documented that he hits the ball hard. Um, 
I have said it since day one. If he can elevate the ball with more consistency, doesn't have to be extreme, but just more consistency, he could be an all-star. He could be an all-star caliber first baseman because he hits piss missiles. He just hit them into the ground, right? The groundhog thing wasn't something we made up to be snarky. It was true. He yeah. was a ground ball machine the first two years. He was, I believe, beyond Albert Pujols, the least valuable first baseman in the league next to Pujols his first two years. Suddenly he hits the ball in the air and good things happen because – he hits the ball hard. I'm just waiting for him to revert to. And you know what? Honestly, like, yeah. He's he going to slump eventually, he, but. He, here's the thing. He went yard a couple times, but he also had a few dribblers oh, yeah. find holes. Yeah, Grant so. counted the bounce. He had that RBI. So when the Diamondbacks came back to tie it, he hit a, I think he hit a ground ball RBI to, either he hit a ground ball RBI to tie it or to take the lead. Uh, and it was up the middle through the, sh- they, he hit it through the shift. And Grant counted the hops. It was like a four hop <laughs> ground ball up the middle. Like, look, I, I get it. Like, that's Babip working, and Hosmer typically, up until last year, prior to last year, Hosmer's best years typically were Babip influenced. He just got lucky on balls in play, but because when you hit the ball on the ground, that's basically what you're relying on. You're hoping that you have good luck on the ball in play, and that it just happens to scoot through. It's not a skill or a trait or an every other year thing. The difference now, as opposed to two years ago and every year before that, is that He's elevating the ball more. So when he gets the ball up in the air, he gets something straight. He can hit it on a line or hit a fly ball because he's made adjustments. And so now when you mix in the ground balls, well, now he's going to get ground ball. He's still going to have some BABIP in there. But you're mixing in some fly balls in there, and now you have a more complete player. Because I love watching him hit when he's going, especially when he hits. Like he doesn't hit like moonshots. He just hits piss missiles. Dude, when he hits going. it, when he hits it and he knows it's gone, and he, he kind flips, of holds yeah, the bat he, out there. Yeah, he flips the bat That's back awesome. in front of him. That's, That's awesome. like Ricky Henderson style. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love, love watching him hit when he's going. Like I don't like the ground balls, but I will take it because if he's going to mix in those those rockets hit out in the right field, especially when he goes opposite field, Apo Taco. Yeah. Is is beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. I'll take it because as long as he keeps doing that, we need him to do that. Yeah. We need him to be that cleanup hitter or that five hitter against the left or wherever they bat him. I want to be a Haas stand. I do too. So bad. I do too. So bad. I want him to succeed. He's on my team. Yeah. He's a key part of this team succeeding. Yeah. Another thing I thought was interesting and I really I loved was uh, Saturday. Uh, that was shit. Was, was it Saturday? Musgrove Day. That was Musgrove Day, and that was uh, where Manny during the off season he's like, well, you know, the eye surgery I had wasn't really a big deal. It was just some things with seeing the ball at night, and then Saturday he gets three knocks, <laughs> opposite field bomb. I'm like, all right, I think yeah. it's fixed. Yeah, I think we're good. Name a uh, you know name a better couple than Manny and opposite field uh, piss missiles, dude. Yeah, that was that was fun to watch. Saturday's game was awesome. There was Friday, Friday, dude. That was another conversation that was on Twitter is you had half of the people who were just saying, uh, hey, this game is way too long. Because it was a four-hour game on Friday night. It was very, You very had long. half of the people saying, God, this is ridiculous. And then you had the other half of people. They're like, hey, baseball's back. Like, shut up. Who cares how long the game is? I and care. I kind of find myself in the middle of that because yeah. I, I do think it's possible to have really missed baseball and be thrilled it's back. But also think that Friday's game was way too long. Four hours is a way really long fucking long. time. Like, That's ridiculous, and I love baseball, dude. It 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 flows through my veins. Yes, but a four hour game is ridiculous. It is, and you're and not building any any audiences with a four hour game. You're not. Let's put it this way, right? Baseball, just like anything else, is entertainment. There's a reason movie studios do not approve four hour movies or even three hour movies. 
Even a guy like Martin Scorsese is not allowed by his studio to release a three-hour movie. Yeah. Wolf on Wall Street is two hours and 59 minutes. <laughs> and the reason is... <laughs> I didn't is, know that. That's yeah, great. Yes. They, they mandated they can't release a three-hour film. That's why he did The Irishman on Netflix. Uh-huh. Because they, they go do what you want. Um, but the reason, the idea behind movie runtimes is you're trying to get as many butts in the seats for as many screenings as you can. The longer the movie, mm-hmm. the less theaters you're going to... The less screenings you can have throughout the day, right? So... Um, the same thing works with baseball. You know, people don't have four fucking hours to sit there. You're like, I watched the Snyder Cut twice. And it took me two tries to get through it the second time because four hours is a long time. Watching a baseball game, like, I'm completely glued. But also I'm thinking, Jesus, I got to get up for work tomorrow. Yeah. This game is dragging. I love that they're grinding out pitches. But it's like, man, these commercial breaks. You know, you got to do something. It's a catch-22 because yeah. they are grinding these ABs, which is yeah. amazing. And I, I personally think that is the key to success. Agreed. Grinding down every single at-bat. And while, yes, that is the key to success in my opinion, it is also the key for a longer game. Yes. So, I pick think, your poison. Uh, I, I think there's two ways you can... Number one, they are mandated to take, I think, uh, X amount of time per commercial break. They have to take commercial breaks for every pitching change. Mm-hmm. Um, the the reliever, like I don't know how important, like a reliever who just threw thirty pitches in the bullpen, like does he really need eight to ten more pitches to warm up? I think that's debatable. Right. Um, and then you know they have to take obviously pitching changes in between innings, and that drives out because these are. I'm pretty sure somebody can correct me on Twitter uh, at five point five Dan. Oh, I'm sure they will. Um, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that they have to take. Uh, a predetermined amount of time in between breaks, um, which leads us to which leads us back to we've mentioned this before. Like you know, sometimes you know the NBA like they have advertisers on the jerseys now because that gives them ad money. But now you don't have to do commercials as often. I would take like picture in picture, you know, or picture in picture have live ad reads on TV, things like that, or you know, hey, we're gonna back out, we're gonna keep with the action here, but you know, we're gonna go to a, a picture in picture commercial break, you know, something, something to help keep the game moving. Uh, I don't like that idea, and I'm sure you're shocked. I'm stunned, it. actually, that you disagree with me. But if you if you have to do it, picture in picture is a way to do it. Yes. And, and I'll bring this to your arena. I'll bring it to WWE, to wrestling. <laughs> I completely lost interest when they started doing commercials mid-match. I hate commercials mid-match. <laughs> it's like you see someone, like, they get thrown against the ropes, and they start running back, and it's like, hey, if you have an, an erection lasting longer than four hours, make sure you call a doctor. And I'm like, what the fuck you don't is like this? When they, you don't like when so you So if can you see, do that in baseball... Yeah. So-and-so no. gets knocked out of the ring. I don't know what's going to happen next, folks. We'll be right back. Yeah, yeah. No, like, no. I, I, I don't want that because that's what I think of. And yeah. I don't want that in baseball. Hey, no. here's what you missed during the commercial break. Don Orsillo, and it's just yeah. like. See, but I wouldn't I wouldn't want. Pass ball. I wouldn't want advances. them to take commercial. They're not going to take commercial break in between, you know, plays. But I would be okay with a picture-in-picture where you're still watching the game. The game is still on. It's just split screen. They, I feel like they do that sometimes during pitching changes. Uh, I don't know if I've seen it on, uh, excuse me, Bally Sports. Yeah, Bally Sports. Uh, I don't know if I've seen it in the past. they got to find some way to get to speed the game up. I think pitching yeah. changes take too damn long. Um, I think commercial breaks are really long. You know, they need the ad money, so I don't think the commercial breaks are going anywhere anytime soon. Um, I don't think the pitching clock's going to... Let's tell you, from fucking watching Snell and Darvish pitch... That pitch clock ain't going nowhere. Like, it's yeah. not doing anything. Yeah. It's taking forever. Darvish in particular. He yeah. takes a long time. Indeed he does. Let's talk about you, Darvish, because I, I feel like uh, Blake Snell just kind of lost it at the end and ran out of gas, and, and I get why they pulled him. But Darvish, uh, he didn't look sharp, Eric. A lot of breaking balls that he got away with early that uh, did not get away with uh, the third time through the order or second time through the order. Well, 
I want to let you in on a little secret. I went to opening day. <laughs> I was at the game. I thought you were going to tell us you didn't know shit about baseball. I don't know if I've told you or our listeners yet, but I was at opening day. So, and I was, also, I don't know if I told you or not, but I was in the top, you know, the top rope, top tank, you know, that Top part. rope. So, <laughs> I didn't get to experience the whole, you Darvish is a guy I feel like you have to watch on TV to get the camp. full, yeah. to get the full kind of ga- the game, you yeah. know, to get the full experience. Um, I was up high, I didn't see a lot of that, so I'll let you kind of speak to that, but um, yeah, I mean, he, it did seem like he was all over the place, also from, from what... I was reading on Twitter again. I was at the game on Thursday. You know, it's no big deal. You don't say. It, it's no big deal. Um, from what I read on Twitter, he was getting squeezed a lot. Uh, I don't. Yeah, the, the umpire Ted Barry definitely. It was which, definitely Angel Hernandez's crew. Which, by the way, is hilarious to me because all the way up where we were at, <laughs> after a pitch that didn't get called a strike, people were screaming, "Come on, Blue! What the what the hell is this?" My favorite one was after after a pitch went through, someone screamed at the Blue that they need to go see Sandy. T. Feldman <laughs> to get their eyes checked. And I'm like, dude, that's great because they're probably a tier one listener to Ben and Woods, San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan on your Odyssey app. Check that out. But uh, yeah, I from what I heard, he was squeezed. Um, I didn't really get to see the sequencing because again, you know, it's kind of different for me. So I'll let you tell me what you saw with Darvish. He was definitely getting squeezed. It was going both ways. They were getting calls, like pitches that weren't strikes, uh, were getting called strikes, and then like you throw the same pitch and they get called a ball. So completely shitty umpire crew, which just backs the point of we need robot umpires. Yeah. You know, I know that guys like We've John, been banging that drum forever. Yes. I know guys like old fart mayonnaise uh, connoisseurs like John Conniff like the way the game's been played since the 1800s in Britain, yeah. you know, with the uh, human element behind the plate. <laughs> but uh, we definitely need like an electronic strike zone at this point because this weekend was a really shitty display of the human element of the game because yeah. it cost us several – like. Hassan Kim having a great debut, hitting two fucking lasers through the 5-5 hole on his debut. Wasn't got his hosed debut. on ball four. It wasn't his debut, but okay. It was, wasn't? Saturday? No. no. Oh, that's right. He didn't need... That's right. He struck right. out. Yeah, you're right. Remember? I was there. Well, excuse me. His... Uh, excuse me. It was his... <laughs> His, his first start. His first start. Excuse yeah. me. I beg your pardon. I'll be that guy. There you go. You know why? Because if I'm not that guy, someone on Twitter, oh, hey, guys, by the way, actually, I was, I was listening around the 25-minute mark, Danny, and uh, you know that wasn't his debut. It was actually his second game. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Thank guy. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank it's my you. favorite part of doing the podcast. Thank you. I, well, I appreciate you doing it instead of me getting <laughs> fucking tagged in some random tweet. Yeah. Uh, nonetheless, <laughs> so his MLB, his, his starting, his debut as a starter, first MLB start. Um, gets hosed. Like, one thing I can say about Cam, even though he's looked overmatched in spring training, he's done a pretty good idea at the plate. You know, he's, he's drawing walks and working counts and stuff. He got fucking hosed. Yeah. And that happened several times. I think Capusano got hosed on a couple of calls. Uh, I'm pretty sure he got hosed yesterday, uh, late in the game. Mm-hmm. So, yes, the umpiring crew, uh, the home plate crew in particular, was absolute dog shit all weekend. But one thing I noticed with Darvis is that he also wasn't hitting his spots, and his breaking ball did not... Breaking balls did not look great. There were several times where he left pitches up, and then he got tagged. He gave up a couple home runs um, because he's not locating the breaking ball. So to me, I don't know. Maybe his first game jitters. You know, he just sometimes he just don't have it. You know, sometimes I mean he he still looked impressive at times. He threw a two seam fastball at like ninety seven uh, that uh, ran eighteen feet uh, <laughs> eighteen feet laterally or eighteen inches laterally. Yeah. So a foot and a half. So that's pretty impressive. So he had moments where. You saw, like, this guy's, he's the staff ace. But uh, he looks shaky. I thought Blake Snell looked really good. 
he just threw too many pitches. You know, there were times where he's just he wasn't around, he wasn't attacking the strike zone, and he kind of ran himself out of the game uh, because of it. Yeah. Um, but the highlight of the weekend to me, pitching wise, has to be Musgrove and Weather's Day. Oh, dude, East County. Yeah. East County. A represent. cup of Joe with a Weather's report to end it. Oh yeah, man, dude, watching Musgrove up there and watching it like that picture that the Padres tweeted out where it said home and it's yeah. Musgrove just standing there, you know, gathering himself before he goes out there. We're in the forty-four. Like it's just like Joe Musgrove is living my dream right now. <laughs> yeah. Like he's playing for the Padres, wearing number forty-four and shoving Straight for out a of great East for a great Padres team. So um, I loved loved watching Musgrove go out there and do what he did on Saturday night, man. Like it was it was kind of like the thing where it, it's kind of the the sweet irony that he was wearing number forty four and that he went out and he's like, hey, you know what? Our our pen was a little taxed the first couple days. What did Jake always say? All right, give me a couple runs. That's all I need, boys. Yeah. And Musgrove went out there and made it through what six six shutout innings, three hits, no walks. I think he struck oh, out eight. Oh man, yeah, struck out eight. Couple too. of swords. Just a just a great great debut. For Couldn't Joe I mean, he would have had to have thrown a no hitter. Yeah, <laughs> for it to go any better. <laughs> One more K through nine would have been nice. Yes, if he had nine Ks, if he had six innings, nine Ks, that yes. would have been a little bit nicer. But, uh, dude, just a tremendous debut, and well, I can't wait. I can't wait to see how he does this year and next year. We talked about it when they picked him up that he he might be sneakily the best pickup they made in the offseason. because it, it's it's a it's a big move to a point. But it's not the big flashy. Hey, we just you know signed our, our franchise player to a, a history uh, history uh, you know record breaking contract, historical contract. You know we just picked up you know the arguably the best pitcher in the National League last year, Yu Darvish. We just picked up inarguably one of the best pitchers in uh, the American Cy League. Young. Yeah, former Cy Young Blake yeah. Snell, who absolutely you know, I mean just shoved the Dodgers in the World Series, and now he gets to you know now they get to see him multiple times this year. So. Those were the big, like, huge moves. And then we go, and, oh, you know, we also picked up this guy, Joe Musger, who had a nice nice little comeback here last year with the Pirates. But I think of those guys, like, yeah, I think he has just as much upside. Yeah. He's, he's the same idea. He's got multiple – he's got a fastball. He's got the slider. He's got the curveball. He strikes guys out. Like, it doesn't look like he's a fluke. You know, just based on uh, watching him pitch and what he did in spring training, and I really love the short arm action. Yes, dude, everything like imagine being a batter and seeing the ball and the ton. We talk about tunneling all the time. Imagine seeing the exact same delivery and there's a ball and it looks like it's on the outer half. You're like, shit, I gotta offer it this, and you go to swing and it just keeps going further and further away. Yeah, and you're just screwed. I, dude, yeah. I read somebody had. I can't remember where I read it. I don't know if it was fan graphs or, or some chat, but I had read like somebody asked about um, how shorter arm swings are uh, becoming more and more common. Like Garrett Cole had a short arm swing and he kind of went to a longer arm swing when he went to the Astros for whatever reason. But like guys like Bauer, Bauer has always had it. Uh, Bieber. Uh, Bieber, yeah. Bieber changed it. Clevenger. Giolito. Uh, Giolito's really dramatic yeah. as far as like cutting down his arms. And a Musgrove's another guy. Yeah. And somebody had mentioned that, uh, you know, Darvis looks like he has a shorter arm swing a little bit. Maybe that's why he didn't look as sharp. Again, I don't have a ton of, ton of things on Darvis previously, but I don't remember his arm swing, you know, being that short, but somebody, uh, in this chat, I was reading, had mentioned one of the reasons why it might be gaining more steam and more popular for guys to shorten it up, uh, is the reason why Musgrove went to it in that, he just feels like he can get to his landing point more consistently where his body is in sync uh, as opposed to having a longer arm swing where you're just kind of – and he's a big dude. I mean, he's really tall. 
So you have all these moving parts, whereas the shorter arm swing, everything's just kind of compact, stays compact, and you have more consistency with it. Because he looks devastating. Yeah. With really I mean, does. compared to what he looked like two years ago. I mean, th- especially the slider and the curveball. Yeah. I mean, just devastating. So I c- couldn't have been happier with uh, Joe Musgrove's debut. Um, I couldn't have been happier with Ryan Weathers. I was dude. just going to say. same day. To top it off. I cannot stress. Number one. How much of an idiot I am. <laughs> I really can't stress we, that. None. We. None more so than my opinion on Ryan Weathers. We. Dude, I am wrong a lot. Yes. But, and I said this our last podcast. I'm wrong a lot. I've never been more wrong than I was about Ryan Weathers, dude. Watching him come out there, because that's, I mean, wasn't that technically his major league debut? Yes. Because playoffs, the whatever. Technically, but like you look at count. last season in the in the postseason against the Dodgers, he comes out there and it's just like, all right, it's another day, let's go get him. And then and then he goes out there for his actual major league debut, his first time ever facing in a, in a major league stadium with yeah. three rows or three decks of uh, fans watching, and he just shoves. He's never pitched above a ball. <laughs> he just shoves. He doesn't care who's in the batter's box, dude. Like like seeing him, like he's a bulldog. He's every. Everything that I thought he wasn't, and that's why I hated him. Because I was like, "Hey, this is what I want you to be. This is not what you are, and this is what you will never be." And that just shows how fucking stupid I am. Because, dude, watching him, I'm like, "Fuck yeah, I love this guy yeah. already." Like three innings, three innings four. in twenty four innings out of him, four appearances, or almost four innings. I'm ready to go to war for Ryan Weathers. Yeah, man. he doesn't look phased at all. At all, he doesn't look phased. He's just like, hey, this is my job. I'm going to come out here and beat the shit out of all you. <laughs> Give me the like, ball. Give me like, the ball, He fellas. doesn't care. He's going to smoke you. He doesn't care. Like He he attacks the zone. Um, he is able to mix it up well. He has a repeatable delivery. He throws gas from the left to 97, side. 97, he sits. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, holy shit, man. And then I'm looking and I'm watching him. I'm like, hey, you know. Are they going to keep him in the bullpen? Maybe he's best here. But then I'm like, I kind of want to see this guy starting games. Well, uh, so it's I'm torn now. So uh, and and again, I'm always I'm always wrong. So I'm like, do I want to be fully on the Ryan Weathers is an elite reliever train, or do I want to be on the hey this guy should be starting games for us train? Well, let me. I, I, that I haven't decided yet. So I'm gonna do what I do best. I'm gonna stay right on the fence. <laughs> I'm gonna stay right on the fence. And I will not that pick a fence side. Tips. That's where you'll land. I will not um, pick a side. Well, no. Yet. Th- 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 here's where we're gonna. Here's here's where I sit. I told you guys, develop your young starting pitchers out of the bullpen. This is a prime example of why. As you speculated. Yes, as I speculated, and as I have been saying for years, develop the young guys out of the bullpen. Um, especially like Weathers because he doesn't have a lot. He doesn't have any time above a ball. Um, he looks great, but you can also limit his exposure. It's basically what they've been doing with Morahone, who's actually starting tonight. Um, very excited. Very excited because he has looked great since coming up last year. And that also means uh, uh, Lady Morahone might reactivate her Instagram and uh, thirst posting might be going on tonight. So, uh, anyways. I'll take your word for it. Yes. Uh, don't worry, Eric. A screenshot for the blind. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> or a screenshot for the blocked, I should say. Excuse me. Uh, but uh, no, with Weathers, you know, it's uh, <laughs> number one. I love the picture of him with his dad and Tony Gwynn. Oh, that was great. I thought that was like just two great guys, and you know, to me, two guys with the le- absolute legend or something like that. But yeah. um, no, it, it, the thing is, we had mentioned. Remember, we were recording as the draft was going on that year, mm-hmm. and when they took Weathers, both of us were like, 
What? Yeah. <laughs> Why are they taking this fat kid? Where's uh, Libator? We thought we yeah. we thought Libator was considered the top arm in the draft. He's a left-handed pitcher. We thought, yeah, they're gonna take Libator because you know maybe they look at him like maybe not as good as Gore. But we said this in the last podcast. You know, we thought that was gonna be the guy. They took Weathers. We're both like, who? Yeah. Ryan Weathers? Who's this guy? Yeah, man. Um, and then of course there's the idea that uh, you know, oh maybe he's soft because he's. Missing his girlfriend on Twitter, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, he's got to go to a, you know a Bible Zoom tonight, and yep. you know Mr. Wholesome. I'm sorry, y'all. Ryan Weathers fucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this motherfucker is nails. Hide your hide your wife. Uh, hide your kids. Hide your wives. It's fucking Weathers time. Yeah. This guy comes out, never pitched above fucking a ball. Comes out, nails against the Dodgers. Yeah. You know they're the fucking one, of the, the arguably the best team in the fucking decade. They. they what does the, he have to lose? Yeah. He has nothing to lose. Well, he lost a lot of fucking weight because let me tell he you, did. they showed him last year, and I was like, oh man, yeah. you know he looks like a bulldog. You know he's got the John Lackey build. This year he's coming in like this motherfucker's been hitting the squat rack and yeah. the bench. He looks great. Yeah. Exactly. He looks fucking great, and then he comes out and just shoves. I think. uh I think three innings, no walks, three strikeouts, sitting 93 to 97. He struck out their top prospect looking. He struck out a couple of established guys. Like, he just looked fucking money. So when he saved the bullpen. So so uh, I'm staying on the fence. Again, I'm on the fence. I'm not picking a side. I refuse. So I'm going to force you to pick a side. Of course you're going to force the Mexican to go over the fence, aren't you? (laughs) Aren't you, Eric? Yes. I will protect the fence. I will protect you all. And you decide which now, way. Now, am I going to go over or under it? That's and for number you one, to where's Ted Cruz? That's for you to decide. Yes. Is he a starter long term? Or is he so. going to be an elite reliever? Taking into consideration him, what he brings to the table, what we already have, and what we're going to have moving forward. I think he's going to be a starter long term. Um, I think the way they're develop- developing him is perfect. I have long advocated, I mentioned a couple minutes ago, I've long advocated for developing your young starters uh, out of the bullpen, giving him innings. I think how they're gonna, how they're seemingly gonna use him is perfect. The bullpen needed a night off. He's got good. He's not Luis Perdomo. I love you, Louis P. God bless you wherever you're at. <laughs> but um, he's not Perdomo, where his Rule Five guy, and you're just hoping maybe you know you get lightning in a bottle. Like he's a legitimate prospect. Legitimate prospect. The velocity's back. He looks great. Um, now this is a great way to get him innings while not overexposing him. But I do think long term. He's going to be a starter. Well, he might be a starter. Who spot is he taking? He might be a starter later this year because, as much as I'm rooting for Paddock, and no, Paddock did not do bad last night or uh, yesterday. Uh, he got babbipped in the first inning. Um, he had some bad luck going against him. But Paddock is like the one guy where I'm like, I'm not giving him any leash. I'm willing to give more home more leash just because he's had less opportunity, and I think there's more upside with more home. Um, but if Paddock struggles, right? You know, if if he's not giving you Basically, a four and a half ERA, which is three runs every six innings. If he can't do that, and he does what he did last year, where he's you know he had one good start opening day, and then everything after that minus one or two starts was really rough. Like I'm going with Weathers the next time out. Either that, or I'm going to backpack him, or I'm going to piggyback him. It's like okay, well Weathers is going to start you know this game, or maybe I bring in Weathers. You know, Paddock can be an opener, whatever. But to me. Weathers is next in line because he's already on the major league roster, and Paddock is the guy that I'm going to have the shortest lease on to pull first. Because that's the guy I think is is really, if you're going to replace a guy, you replace a guy either for injury, which they're not worrying about right now, uh, or you replace a guy for performance. Well, everybody looks healthy, and we hope there's no injuries, so who's the guy that you're going to yank first for performance? It's got to be Paddock. He's had more opportunities than than Morahone has as the starter. So I think you have less of a leash on him, a shorter leash on Paddock. So if he struggles... I'm going to run Weathers out there. Maybe you only run him out there for three or four innings at a time, and uh, you bring somebody else up, you know, to kind of to eat up some innings. 
um, out of the bullpen. But uh, I, I think that's that's where the opportunity lies. Ideally, what happens is Paddock pitches well enough. You know, if he does what he did yesterday, but over you know five or six innings a night, um, great. We have this awesome weapon out of the bullpen. Um, and then when they go on those long stretches where you know they play 15, 20 games in a row, and we've seen how Tingler's been managing already. You know, he's trying to stretch these guys out and not not overdo it the first week of the season. I imagine he's going to be managing like that. When Lamette comes back, I imagine he's going to have a, a, a workload limit. Great. Weathers can go out there and, and start that game for four or five innings or whatever. So definitely some opportunities for him to start just as like the number six starter, um, but also some opportunities if Paddock or uh, somebody gets hurt or Paddock stumbles. You mentioned uh, you mentioned something that I was leaning towards and that I wanted, a topic I wanted to put on the table uh, for Weathers. Here's a perfect scenario. Number one, Paddock has that quality start ERA. Just please. That's all we ask for. That's yeah, all we ask four for. Four and just, a half ERA. Just give us that. So Paddock is able to do that over the course of a full season. So Weathers doesn't have a starting spot. They're going to be monitoring Lamette and his usage and how many uh, pitches he's throwing and the types of pitches he's throwing and how it looks coming out. There, He is going to be under a microscope. Why not have him start and throw three or four innings and on that day that's the day weathers goes three or four innings however many it takes because what you do with that also that's another day where the bullpen gets a rest because you have two guys that are throwing three to four innings each and then boom you bring in melanson to save the game um that's i really like that idea and and i hope that that's something that uh is considered i think it may be considered because i think it is being considered i i would love to see it and we um we saw on Twitter today that Jace Tingler said that uh, Lamette threw what thirty six to thirty eight pitches his last time out and felt great. So maybe they're maybe they're slow playing that along, and that's going to be the. I think they're the purposely plan. slow playing Lamette Millette. I think they're purposely <laughs> slow playing uh, Lamette because even if they believe he's healthy, they feel it's better to wait until May and June to start ramping him up. So that way he's healthy and he has more bullets going toward my good friend, uh, our good friend and uh, real estate uh, connoisseur Andy Mazone had mentioned this in a private conversation uh, when I get real private with Mazone uh-huh. privately. But he had said like, yeah, I could see them like stretching him out and just kind of taking it easy. And then once the All Star break hits, really ramping him up because now you've just saved two months worth of bullets. But instead of those bullets running out in August or September, now they're going to run out in October. Yeah. So and because of obviously what happened last year, so. Um, I can see that. I can see a scenario where it's like, hey, Lamette's going to go out there and like we're going to limit him to you know three, you know maybe you know two times or five innings to the order. But if it's a blowout, if it's like, hey, we're going into the fifth inning, Lamette's at seventy pitches, we're up five or six to nothing, or you know it's seven. It's basically how it was on Friday and Saturday, where uh, before I got away from him, where they're basically just dominating, and it's like you know we'll bring Weathers in, we'll we'll let Weathers go out there and, and throw multiple innings or. Um, and I think they're going to do it because, like, Tingler has not named Melanson the closer. He's just he happened to use him in the ninth. Yeah. He actually named Pagan and Pomeranz as the firemen, which is, instead, he's doing what you should do. You're taking your best relievers and putting them in leverage situations. So it's like, okay, yeah, we'll give Melanson the ninth unless it's, like, the top or the middle of the order. But if it's, like, the five hitter later, sure, we'll run Melanson out there. We'll just bring our other two, you know, relief aces in, previous, you know, in the previous innings to, uh, to uh, you know, leverage those innings in our favor. So I do think that that's how they're going to approach it. They're going to let Lamette go four or five or X amount of pitches, 
and then bring Weathers or whoever they have in and just try to bullpen the rest of the game. Yeah. I saw a lot of a lot of rage. I was scrolling through the timeline yesterday, Sunday on Easter. Uh, I was up with my family. I didn't get to watch the first... Uh, well, actually, here's the thing. I turned the game on there, and it was the second inning. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, let's see. Padres are up. Okay, what's going on? And then I looked down at the scoreboard because I, I it was a few pitches before I looked down. I saw Diamondbacks 2 nothing. I'm like, God damn it, dude. Paddock. <laughs> Like, of course he lays an egg on Easter. Of course he does. And uh, I'm sitting there, and I read all this, dude, these people just going off on him on the timeline. And I'm like, all right, well, he probably fucked up. I went home. When I got home, I watched the replay of the game specifically to see how those runs were given up. As much as I said I would love to be a Hosmer stan, if Cronenworth is at first, he probably gets out of that first inning scoreless. Oh, that uh, rinky-dink, that Hosmer-esque ground ball past Hosmer? It's not like it was smoked past him. No, he got Babbitt to death, and he gave up another run. Yeah, so I was like, well, you know. Two runs in four innings. That's not bad. He did better than Darvish. Yeah. He did better than Darvish. So, yeah, he didn't um, blow a huge leap. But, you know, you look at it, there was, a, there was a great thread today by our beloved Rich Roberts, and he had mentioned... Paddock's going to lose his spot eventually. Like, yeah. you look at uh, Lamette and Clevenger coming back next year. You look at the rotation we already have. He's going to lose his spot. Yeah, there's, there's no, there's no, there's no, no question at all. So it's a matter of when. Like, he has to have a very short leash right now. And if the ultimate destination for Paddock is uh, traded, maybe, to uh, another the team. Uh, or the bullpen, uh, most likely, I think. That's fine with me. I, I would not hate seeing that guy come out of the pen. Uh, last, as much as he yeah. would hate it, and as much as Michael Paddock would hate it. Would he hate it, though? I don't I would, know if he would hate yes, it. Yes, he would. I he has way too much pride to say, maybe, all right, I'm a, I'm a reliever now. Maybe, but the last There's time, no maybe about it, dude. There's no maybe. I think, you see his brother's comments. You don't think they're talking, oh, man, fuck. These people on Twitter ain't no shit. Yes. They ain't no shit. Tuh, 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 tuh. Yeah. Yes, but at the There's same no time. There's no way, dude. I think if you were to sit... Like, he opened his mind up to analytics, and he does look... I saw his last start in spring training. He looked rough. I think it was, and he looked rough against. Uh, I think it was also the Cubs. He did a spring training in uh, Little Wrigley over there, um, but he did look better overall, except for the end. Um, and he did open his eyes and his mind to analytics and you know and pitch readings and spin rate and things like that. I don't think. I think if you sat down and had an honest conversation with him, that if you and you sat him down with another certain former, you know. Uh, I don't know if he ever started, but he sat him down with another guy who used to throw mid to high 90s and then had a devastating changeup, and he told him, look, yes, it may not be working out right now. It doesn't mean it won't work out in the end, but this is how we need you. This is what we need right now. Would it be so bad? Like, I don't see my... I can't see him completely turning off the idea of being a reliever because I think you have to ask him honestly, do you really think, given you know the, the results... That you are better than Darvish, Snell, Musgrove, Clevenger, and Lamette. Yeah. And for me personally, like we were resigned that Lamette could be, uh, you know, a, a two pitch. You. Well, I resigned to that. No, 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 no. You. We. I want the record to reflect. I never wanted Lamette in the bullpen. On the podcast. No, <laughs> I, dude, I was never open yeah. to Lamette on the bu- so, in the bullpen. Fine. I was res- I was okay with Lamette panning out as. A lights out reliever, and if it turned out that way, great. If it didn't, he turned out to be a starter like he is now. Fucking excellent. Either or was a win win scenario. One's just a greater win than the other. If Paddock ends up turning into reliever, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with getting three or four more years out of him as a 
lights out two pitch reliever. I think he would throw harder out of the bullpen. I think he has. I know we talk about like his mental toughness is kind of weak, um, and that he gets rattled. But he's also the kind of guy that does a really good job of rattling himself up and getting himself self motivated to go out there and try to shove it. That's the kind of mentality, Eric, that I think you need as a closer. You have to be self-motivated, and I think do think you need that bulldog, give me the ball, I want to shove it, I want to do this, I want to be here, that adrenaline rush type of junkie to go out there and, and pitch in those high-leverage situations. Yes, he needs to do better about getting rattled, and he's admitted that, but I don't think he'd make a... I don't think he'd be completely opposed to the idea of relieving as long as you keep his brother out of his head. So long as his brother's around, yes, he's probably going to be opposed to it. But at the end of the day, if it's about helping the team, and you can, I, I think you can sell him on that idea. But yes, he is eventually going to lose his spot. Yeah, at least no for question. a year. At least for a year. No question. And it doesn't mean he can't come back in the rotation either. Like Adam Wainwright closed. Adam Wainwright closed out a fucking World Series. Yeah. We'll you know, see. John Smoltz. It's a Hall of Famer, but nonetheless, John Smoltz started, closed, and went back to starting. It, it's not. Un, it's yeah, not but I don't think Paddock is Wainwright, and I definitely don't think Paddock is. No, John but I, no, I, I don't either. But like Wainwright's not some Hall of Fame level pitcher. You know, Wainwright's a tell that to Sutcliffe. <laughs> <laughs> tell that to ESPN. No Jesus thanks, Christ. Sut. Jesus. But uh, you know, it's it's not the end of the world if that's it, it, something's got to give, and I don't want to. I would not want to trade him either because I do think there's some upside in Paddock. I do think there's talent. I feel like if he's the he seems like the typical type of guy that we would trade. And he get a change of scenery, and somebody would figure out how to like tap into you know tap into uh, you know tap into his brain and and get the best out of him. And then we're just looking like, fuck, we got hosed on that deal. And I don't think the Potters want to trade him anyways. I refuse to believe he was not involved. Yeah, but here recently, talks. here recently, have we said, oh, Preller got fucked. Preller got hosed no, on this deal. No, no, that's true. So if he decides to trade Paddock, guess what? We're getting something good back. Oh, I'm sure. So, I'm sure. Wouldn't be the end of the world for me. I mean, we were I'll wrong on much. fucking. I mean, let's put the we were wrong on. Uh, we were wrong on weathers, so who knows? But uh, yeah. I, I don't think Paddock being a closer or being a, a lights out reliever uh, would be the end of the world. Anyways, let's get to the Padre Twitter segment here. Yes, we got about uh, thirteen minutes or so. Want to be able to watch this game? I'm not gonna. I refuse to cut into watching Padre games because of this fucking podcast. I refuse. God damn it! You're lucky I'm even here, so, Bobby Cressy. There were a lot of voicemails that came in here, and uh, you know, let's let's just play them. Hey, it's uh, Carl, uh, also known as the new mayor of Ramona. Uh, Firefaithful69 is my Twitter handle. Uh, I just want to put it out there. I think uh, Joe Musgrove is going to throw the first no-hitter for the Padres in uh, the history of organization. So uh, that's my that's my uh, all I got to fucking say. Yeah. Yeah. I think he ran out of gas. That or he got distracted by the play in the background. This is why they turned the TV <laughs> off when Danny's talking. Yeah. So uh, the new mayor of Ramona at Friar Faithful 69. They voted out the old mayor? He says, apparently. That or he was impeached. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A few East County boys storming the Ramona Capitol to get the old mayor back into I heard into it's power. just a barn. Yeah. Not a lot of uh, Coca-Cola being drinking being drinking uh yeah, I, heard, I heard they're banning uh, Major League Baseball out there. They, you will not be able to stream. You'll not be able to stream. 
Uh, any Major League Baseball is completely banned uh, in Ramona. Oh, God. So, Joe Musgrove, first uh, no-hitter for the Padres. I'm I'm with it. Oh, God, if that happened, I swear somebody tell they me. They have to get one soon, right? I've never yeah. been a guy that's like, oh, hey, you know, we have to get one because I feel like that's part of, like, Padres fans' identities. I've never yeah. been like that. I don't really care um, about the no-hitter. It would be nice. Yeah, it'd be cool. It'd be it's, nice. It's cool trivia, right? And then yeah. once you get it, like... Does anybody really care that the Mets got one with Johan Santana now that they got one? Nobody gives a shit. It's kind of like how Kemp had the first my, uh, the first cycle, and now yeah. everyone's like, oh, no, wait, we don't recognize that. So using that same train of thought, knowing how that goes, Paddock will be the first no-hitter, <laughs> and then he'll be <laughs> traded, and then Musgrove will throw one, and yeah. people will be like, oh, we only recognize Joe's no-hitter. Okay, we don't guys. recognize Chris's yeah. no-hitter. Yeah, Barry Bonds is not the uh, is not the home run leader either, right? So um, that's, uh, that's how. If, if it happens, how could you, again, I, I will ask till I die, how could you not be romantic about baseball? Yeah. So here's the next one. Hey, uh, fellas. Uh, Carlos R. here. I just wanted to take this time to congratulate Eric Hosmer on his uh, National League Player of the Week honors. You know, it's nice to see someone that such a piece of shit get a nice honor. Uh, let's just hope he doesn't get the shits and, you know, start to suck balls again because that would be a shame. Well, later. <laughs> Quality drop in, Carl. Dynamite drop in. Dynamite. Dynamite drop in. Yeah. You son of a bitch. You're sitting there like, let me say something. Let me say something. Then you fuck it up. All right. Uh, this. Okay. So here's one. I play every one that I see. Sometimes I see some, and, and I because they show up as like visual voicemails, right? Yes, but this them? one I'm not really sure. Like it's kind of really weird. Uh, but I'll play it anyways. Um, yeah. 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 I don't know about being the best part of the podcast. I mean, I'm just doing really fucking. Full of fucking pussies that fucking cry for fucking everything. Oh. And the motherfuckers can actually man their business and let people actually leave, I mean, live, live their life however fuck they want to. And what a common concept, show up on Twitter, tell somebody something, get their ass handed, and then go cry about it. Fucking pussies. Oh, not a fan of Padre's Twitter. Wow. 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 Well, that was interesting. Yes. I've never seen... We haven't had, as long as we've been doing this bit, that has never been copied by any radio show out there at all. <laughs> we've never had someone call <laughs> that was so pissed and so heated at Padres Twitter that they're they venting. decided to call us. Yeah, they're calling us to vent. Yeah. yeah. So, wow, that was... Uh, thank you. Thank oh. you for the, the phone call. Hey, guys. Devin here. As you may have already heard, I've become a victim of cancel culture for the... <laughs> Seventh time in the last ten months. This time for the quote-unquote crime of telling a journalist to quote die. Anyways, that's unrelated. So on the last thought, I asked if Chris Paddock is still shit. And after yesterday, I think the answer to that is yes. So I would like to hear your guys' thoughts on that. All right, thanks. That was our beloved uh, Debini. <laughs> Let me uh, let me start by just saying, Devin, writer for LemonParty.org. <laughs> yes, let me just start by Sports saying journalist. that uh, anybody who uh, thinks uh, Devin is wrong, you are welcome to quote unquote, and I say this metaphorically, rip his spine out of his body, <laughs> quote unquote. Dude, I laugh so fucking hard because 
you always see the tweet. I feel like it's once a week. It's like, oh, rest in peace, Devin. <laughs> rest in peace, Cook. It's like once it's a week. It's always the guy at the beach pouring sand out. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking, and I'm like, all right, what do you do this time? You know, and then I saw the screenshot yes. where he told Howard Cole that he would rip his spine out of his body like he's starting a lawnmower. I laughed so freaking hard, so dude. Good. I snorted. I was laughing so hard at that. So good. It, it's, dude, amazing. Uh, yeah, hey guys, Michael here again. Uh, if you so much as harm a hair on Chris's head, we will burn Utica, I mean, uh, Padre's Twitter to the ground. Chris will never, ever go to the bullpen. Screw you guys. <laughs> very nice, very nice office reference. Yes. Love it. Burn Utica to the ground. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, there's there's uh, there's a few Michael Paddock calls today. Oh, he called in a lot, huh? I'll say that much. Uh, this isn't one of them, it doesn't look like, but uh, let's see. What up, 5.5 bros? It's your boy, Clef. Nursing this Tommy John, man. Total bitch. Speaking of that, I'm just trying to walk my dog, bro, in OB. People on Twitter giving me shit. What's the deal, guys? You know who this bitch is? Fill me in, boys. Enjoy the pod. Like, wow, Mike Clevenger! Wow, I didn't know Mike Clevenger would call the podcast. We've today. got sunshine. He said all he wants to do is sit there and walk his dog outside without a mask, and he's getting shit on from Padres Twitter. So, what do you have to say about the whole uh, debacle that went on today on Padres Twitter between Clevenger and pa- all of Padres Twitter, basically? I don't think. Listen, I live in an apartment complex. I typically walk my dogs without uh, a mask on. I have a mask, but it's not on. It's under my chin because uh, nobody's usually outside in my apartment complex. And uh, so if somebody does come up to me, which is a very rare occurrence, I'll throw it on, but very rare. So I don't think that's so bad. I think everything after that is uh, where it snowballed for, for good old sunshine. Yeah. And uh, I think he should have just left it at that. Uh, doing the throwback to why he got suspended threw his teammate into the bus and was ultimately traded with no teammate standing up for him. A little much, Sunshine. A little much. I would have stayed away from that one. Yeah. Allegedly, because now these tweets no longer exist. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm kind of over the mask police and that whole dialogue on Twitter. Like, this whole time, this whole time that COVID's been going on, you know, I've, I've been responsible. I've been masking. I'm getting vaccinated. I've been doing my part, and I feel like I have. But, like, I don't I don't get... Like, at what point are people going to stop trying to shame people for not wearing masks? Or, like, like the reason I say that is you're not changing anyone's mind. Yeah. Like, you're just not. At that point, yeah. you're wasting your time by sitting there screaming into the void. And all you're going to do, you're going to create a snowball effect of trolls and, and just shitty people going out of their way to make you feel like shit. Like... Uh, it's tired for You're getting me. our pictures in trouble with the media team. <laughs> it's it's just tired for me, and, and I'm not saying I disagree with with those people, but yeah. it's like, what's the point? Yeah, like what's your end game here? What are you hoping to get? Are you hoping to get Clevenger to say, hey, you know what? I'm wrong. He's I'm not wrong going right. to. Like it's not going to happen, and, and not just Clevenger, anyone for that yeah. matter. He's not going to. And like I said, if they don't want, like you wear a mask for yourself, and yes, you know, I, I don't think walking your dog. And if you're with your dad, is that big of a deal? If the dad's okay with it and Clevenger's okay with it, breathing on each other, and they're outside and they're not near people, okay, yeah. that's fine. You know, if he's out there throwing out like random like anti-vax conspiracies and anti-COVID conspiracies, and okay, but the original comment, I don't think 
merited. Well, the, also, the what did he expect to come from that? Yeah, like what? What? I think like, he's just venting. He, it's he, it was unprovoked. Yeah. Like no one, no one like spotted him. And was like, hey, I just saw Clevenger without a mask. The, he was the one that put it out there. The problem with social media, as this podcast uh, will attest to, is that uh, anybody can have an account in our podcast and voice their meaningless opinion. I feel like you just summed up our entire existence yes, the last five five seasons. Yes, <laughs> as was the goal. Yeah. So, you know, Clevenger has an outlet to uh, voice his opinion, right, wrong, or otherwise. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, everybody else does. I'm just coming from the place, dude. You're, we're at the point, we're not going to change anyone's no. mind. We're not. Yeah, we're at light at the end of the tunnel. Let, let's focus on... Just the same way as the people who may not agree with you are saying, like, hey, you don't have to wear that mask. You're like, fuck you, I'm still going to wear it. That's yeah. It's the same way, yeah. back and forth. It's the same thing. All you're doing is wasting your time. Yeah, so. let's, just, let's just focus on light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, let's focus on that. Uh, howdy, fellas. Uh, this here is uh, Michael Paddock. Uh, as, as you probably reckon, I am uh, fixing to call you guys and tell you that I am sick and fucking tired of the bullshit that is being talked about my baby brother, Christopher. Uh, I, I, I'm tired of hearing uh, a mall cop and security guard and deputy and all this other bullshit. And even yesterday, they've given him crap on Twitter about how he missed a pop fly. He's got some big Dominican running right at him. I was scared too. I would have caught it. I have not been this upset since Kelly Nash decided not to follow me back on Twitter. <laughs> That's how upset I am at these motherfuckers. Chris, Jackie, they have important. Oh, one more thing. I want to say thank you to the very lovely Hannah Nantero for supporting and defending my baby brother last night. We greatly, appre- I greatly appreciate that, and I would eat her salmon any night of the week. Fuck you, Eric. Fuck you, Danny. Fuck you, Father. Twitter. I'm out. <laughs> I didn't even say anything yesterday. I was like, damn near off of Twitter. I was spending spending the holiday with my daughter, Michael Paddock. Michael Paddock is, says he is me, sick. Is it me or did he sound even more country the second time through? <laughs> God, that's fantastic. He said that he, oh, people giving him shit for not catching a fly ball. He had a big ass Dominican. <laughs> I'd be running too. Oh my God. Michael Paddock, fan of the show. He's called a few times tonight. Yeah, he's so. getting more and more riled up. Yeah, so we appreciate that. I think this is going to be the last one that I see here. Uh, so we'll, we'll play this one and then uh, we'll, we'll be done for the day. Good afternoon, boys. It's your old pal, James Clark, of the great East Village Times. I wanted to offer up my analysis on the development of one Christopher Paddock. One look at him and it's clear he's looking long, cut, and muscular. But enough about his post-game shower. While on the hill, he appears to only be throwing the fastball for strikes up in the zone and missing low with regularity. He needs to keep his balls near the eyes if he wants to throw hitters off balance. He also only appeared to throw two pitches in his entire start, which is not a good sign. He must have been concerned with the big curve being hung. And frankly, that makes two of us. <laughs> Speaking of hung, it was great to see Fernando Tatis Jr. get off the hump yesterday with that mammoth rope in the ninth inning. Hopefully the strapping young man continues to carry his large stick for this team. That's all I have for you today, boys. Have a very handsome week. Oh my god. <laughs> Thank you so much to James Clark. Always bringing the hard-hitting analysis 
for I'm, our podcast. And our podcast to, only. I'm sad to hear he wasn't uh, analyzing anybody's <laughs> lower body. <laughs> he said hung like 58 yeah. times. Yeah, he did. He Jesus. Did. He did. Oh, my God. Oh. Well... Thank you, James Clark, once again for all of your insight. Uh, we, it's it's greatly appreciated. We can't we take need, any more calls after that one. Today, we folks. need all the help we can get, and especially if that help is from a place as established and as credible and reputable as EVT, we welcome it with open arms. Any day of the week, my friends, we take that help where we can get it. So, uh, upcoming week, what are your thoughts? What are we looking at? Uh, looking looking forward to Morhone tonight. I think it's a big opportunity for him to really step out. I think a lot of people have been impressed with him uh, since getting called back up last year. Uh, he looked uh, pretty good in the playoffs as well. Um, so tonight's a, a big opportunity for him to really step up and solidify a spot of the rotation, especially with Lamette coming back because if he's healthy and Paddock struggles or somebody's hurt, you would assume that uh, Morahone's opportunity to stick in the rotation is going to be based on the opportunities he has right now while Lamette is out. Uh, also looking for... Uh, for Hosmer, see if he can uh, keep it up. And uh, Tatis to get going. Hone in on the uh, errors there. Cut back on the throwing errors and see uh, uh, how bad we can beat the shit out of the Giants, which uh, is always a good thing. How about yourself? I, I say next week when we record, we will be 9-1. and one. Ooh. Potters will be 9-1. and one. They're not losing to San Francisco. They're not going to lose a fucking game to Texas. Um, I might edit this out, dude, because Vladimir human scum Ridley. I already know. I'm gonna get this. Not when, human scum anymore, Eric. When the he's always human scum to me. But when the Padres lose four out of their next six, <laughs> this particular clip is gonna get cut and dropped onto Twitter. Um, but yeah, I'll say nine and one next week when we get into the Pittsburgh series. So again, uh, we'll be recording every Monday for the time being, unless I get free tickets. I don't know if I guys if I told you guys or not, but I went last Thursday. Anyways, if I get free, wonder why you weren't home when I knocked on the door to watch the game. <laughs> so. All right, guys. Wyatt, thanks so much for your time. Uh, We'll see you guys next week. We are out of here.